This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me today is not our full-time Liverpool correspondent, both home and away, James. Actually, you know, we've had someone complain about the fact that we always say that he's not here. As far as I'm concerned, everybody wants to know where James is, what his well-being. So Where's we're giving James everybody a right service. Now? Yeah, where is James we right need now? James come really, don't we? Well, he's got he's got he's got a season pass for Nosey Safari Park, hasn't he, or something he like that? He's probably there, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I haven't asked him. Welcome the gazelles. Anyway, as you can probably tell from from the voices we have with me, Christian Walsh. Hi, Christian. Hello, Ian. Hello, uh, oh, hello. thank you. Uh, also with us is Dan Kay. Hi, Dan. Hello, Ian. And last and very much least, it's Connor Dunn. Hiya, Connor. Hello, Ian. How are you doing, Connor? I'm very well, Ian. How are you? I am fine. None of the others bothered to ask they how never was. Do. They never do. We yeah. disgrace, to be honest. Uh, anyway, Christian, uh, I was at Leicester on Saturday. I know you were watching from the office on the television. It was a bit of a tense afternoon for Liverpool. They got through in the end. wasn't a particularly great performance, but what was your take on it? I thought it was... The worst performance of the season from Liverpool so far. I thought that they were, despite what Jürgen said, semi-fortunate to get the the three points. I thought that it showed a different side of Liverpool. They had to to bring out yet another sort of level of dogging it out um, and and, and fighting for the three points. Ultimately, what's happened with Liverpool at the moment is you could argue that they've progressively gotten worse as, as the season's gone on. They were fantastic against West Ham. They were um, they were good against Palace, certainly in patches. They were functional against West uh, against Brighton, and now you know going in against Leicester. I think it was the first time where they sort of looked like they were maybe losing a little bit of control of that midfield, um, and there was a couple of times that they looked a little bit ragged, especially in the first half. But ultimately, there were times last season when things were not necessarily going their way. This time, it did go their way. The ball bounces to Mane ten minutes in, one nil. He scored on the stroke of half time for the second away game on the bounce. You know, good timing from Liverpool there to, to, to make it 2 0. Scored against West Ham on half time as, well. as well. Yeah, actually, yeah. so that's a very good point. Um, so, you know, it's one of those games where I think you've said the best, if, if I may say so, that this will be the sort of performance where it'll either highlight their title credentials 10, 15 games down the line, or it'll sort of point to potential problems you know, down the road and, and, and this is maybe the reason why Liverpool won't achieve what people are hoping they'll achieve. Which one it is, I'm not too sure. I'm still very hopeful that it's the, it's the former. I do think it is the, you know, a, a, a performance of, of title contending teams. The only problem there is that if it starts becoming the norm and then they won't, you know, it's not, it's not a performance of, it's just a performance that you'd expect of Liverpool. But, Ultimately, four wins, 12 points, perfect start, top of the table. Dan, the view from the press box is that Liverpool, as Christian said, didn't play particularly well. It looked very stressful, uh, certainly in the second half after after they pulled the goal back. But you were actually there, you were in the away end. I mean, what was the, the view amongst the fans? Well, it's not going to be drastically different because a lot of the people in the press box <laughs> are also football supporters and you know, we all see games in largely the same way. I mean, it is it is what it is. The, I think Liverpool were very good for the first 20 minutes and arguably could have been two or three goals in front. And then it seemed like the Ginny Wijnaldum's kind of kind of soft pass that kind of let them break just seemed to kind of rechange the momentum of the game. And Leicester certainly started to have a lot more of the ball. Liverpool struggled to get hold of it. And coming into half-time, you're kind of thinking, well, 
just get into half time at 1 0. We'll, we'll do well to get in in front here. And then all of a sudden, you go in two goals in front. I've, I've, I do think, in here, whoever you're playing, by and large, you have to, particularly away from home, you have to accept the fact there will be spells when the other team have the ball. And I think that was always going to come into play with the first half or second half. Obviously, what happened around about the hour mark with the goalkeeper, which I'm sure we'll come on to in more detail as this goes on, changed the whole dynamic of the match. And but it was in, it was in, you know it was encouraging to see that Liverpool were able to with you know absorb that kind of horrific moment, which is what it was. And we've all seen matches in the past where a moment like that can completely change a match and change the result. They absorbed that, dealt with it, stood firm, and. In spite, you know, don't get me wrong. Of course, people were upset. People were anxious. Um, there was probably certainly a, a slight feeling, "Oh God, here we go again." But when you look back at it in the cold light today, after that moment, how many chances did Leicester really have? One shot. They had one shot after the goal. If you yeah. can believe mm. that, and well, that was Wilfred and Didi who hasn't scored, didn't he score last most, season. Yeah, the most misses. Of any player last season, was taking the most shots, didn't he? Basically, so no yeah. goals for as many shots he took. Yeah, so restrict that and twenty-five yard pot shot. Yeah, you know, and that, that was all. So there was a few hairy moments then, but it wasn't arriving on it. Considering I'm talking to you here about here, but <laughs> <laughs> but a few a few hairy moments. But you know, in terms of actual, Alison didn't have a save to make. Well, exactly, and I think kind of like once the dust settles, you can look back at it and say, all right, the, we all wish that moment hadn't happened. Although I've got to say, I do kind of feel in many ways it might actually be a blessing in the long run. But that, that's what Jurgen Klopp, Klopp said that after the yeah. game. He said that you know he's happy. He was very happy that it actually happened because it didn't give him much time between the whole. All right, he's done this against Brighton, where he's you know he's chipped a knockout and and but he's shown, he's shown against, all his skills and all, all, Brighton, all of this. The, the the chip over knockout knockout got the most you know tweets and video clips and, and comments. But there was also a couple of incidents in both halves so when Glenn Murray. he had the yeah. ball at his feet and he just overdid it a little bit and he got out of jail. But you kind of thought. The penny's going to need to drop it. You're not going to have that much time in this league. Obviously, playing with the ball with his feet is part of his game. But there's a time and a place. And sometimes you've just got to play the percentages and put your foot through it. And so really, in many ways, it was the perfect scenario. A significant mistake that made him, particularly, and everybody else suffer and sweat for half an hour. But no kind of real harm done. I mean, Connor, before the game, you'd say a good result at Leicester would, would let's be honest, be a draw. Leicester are a good team. They've got a good record at the King Power Stadium. But were you nervous before the game, apprehensive? No, not at all. And I think you could argue that it's definitely Liverpool's toughest test of the season. You know, picked up and be really good against West Ham, but West Ham was so poor in that first game. You've obviously got Brian coming off the back of that 1-0 win against United, the one goal win against Man United, sorry, um, coming into Liverpool games. So they're obviously going to be really buoyed and a much tougher team to face off the back of that. So... Yeah, you look at Leicester and you think, yeah, they're going to be the toughest test of the season. But I don't feel nerves with this team at the moment with teams like Leicester. I know obviously had that incredible season where they won the Premier League, but they're not pushing those dizzy heights at the moment. Um, they're easy top eight, top six, arguably. Um, but I know I just think Liverpool have got the quality to surpass these teams. And yeah, as as we've discussed, and they did. <laughs> Now, Christian, everyone's making a big deal of the fact Liverpool, it's the first time since 1990 that they've started a season with four straight wins. I think you were 35? I was 27. <laughs> Come on, let's get this right. Um, I but wasn't they were, even but in the womb. They were, they, <laughs> what a lovely image that is. <laughs> That's the first time a womb we've had on. <laughs> Groundbreaking. First crikey, the, the first But the, la- the last time that happened, obviously Liverpool were champions. This was a champion team that was that was winning those things. Was it seven or eight in the end? Eight, 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 eight. Drew at Norwich? I think that's a. I think that's right. Yeah, but 
as I think you mentioned then, they're getting progressively worse. And if you look at the fixtures last season, these are four games that Liverpool won with a greater goal difference. But, I mean, what can you take from that? Or is it just a matter of this has just always been this block of four games before the international break, getting certain players bedded in, we'll come to Fabinho, I'm sure, a, bit, a little bit later on. They couldn't have done more, can they, with three, four wins and three clean sheets, and the only goal that they have conceded was, was a stupid one that was their own fault. I mean, it's usually a block of three games, isn't it? And I was actually quite happy to see that we managed to squeeze in an extra game before the international break, because usually it's, the season hasn't even really begun. And, mm. and it, it, it's, it's back, yeah. I think this season, more than any other season, is a little bit of a an anomaly because of the World Cup. I, I feel that no side has looked exactly sharp at the minute. I include Man City in that. I know well, they, the shouldn't, they shouldn't be really, should they? Exactly. You look at somebody like Roberto Firmino, he started every game so far, and people are saying, you know, and ultimately he scored goals, he's, he's set up chances, but people are saying he's not quite at it. Well, no surprise, because three weeks before the season started, he was playing in a, in a World Cup quarter-final. You've got Jordan Henderson there, you've got Trent Alexander-Arnold, more so Henderson, who was playing in a World Cup semi-final. You've got um, Dejan Lovren, who obviously has been injured, he was in a World Cup final. I think the World Cup has, has really made it a strange start, and I think a lot of the top teams in the Premier League are just trying to get through, we're just trying to get through the first four fixtures. And I think Liverpool have navigated it as well as any other side, as evidenced by the fact that they're top of the league. But I think, you know, look, City absolutely hammered, obviously, uh, Huddersfield 6-1. But, you know, Liverpool did that to West Ham. I don't think there's been a team there where, I mean, this time last season, even though these won one with Everton, I think everyone went about City. Well, hold on a minute. Mm-hmm. This is this is a good team. Even though they were only one, maybe, I think it was 2-0 on the opening day of Brighton. The way they played, everyone went, well, hold on a minute. This is, this is a serious team. No, no team standing out at the moment, um, which which is good for Liverpool because their their ceiling's as high as anybody's. But you know, I feel that there's there's another three, four, five games to go up. I think the World Cup has just made Jurgen Klopp look at this, and you see in the way he's just played the same team. He's made one change so far over the four games, and that came in the, in the win at Leicester. I think Klopp's just looked at those block of four games and just said, "Let's get out of this as as unscathed as possible." Get the get the, the four wins if we can and get out of dodge and I think that's what they've done and that's to be commended. All right, then we'll deal with. We mentioned Allison's mistake a little bit earlier on. We'll deal with that now. I mean, at the time, I remember thinking it's funny you always see games and you can see certain patches of play and you can see things building. And that mistake had kind of been coming in that passage of play because before, and Jurgen Klopp mentioned it, there was Jordan Henderson didn't play a particularly great ball to Joe Gomez, who got himself out of trouble, played it better. I think he played it better to Henderson, didn't he? Who then and then he played to Van Dijk, yeah. who then could have done anything apart from pass it miles to uh, Allison's right, meant he had to go off, running off after it. And, but ultimately, it's down to the keeper from, through making the mistake. I think the, the issue was, and I think he probably we all hope and pray he's learned his lesson, Allison's best option there was just to boot the ball out for a throw-in. Now, in that kind of situation where they've been pressing us high up the pitch, you know, if that gets if that goes out for a throw-in, it gets a big roar from the home crowd. They have a throw-in in our last third, and it gets them up for it. So I can understand why he wanted to avoid doing that. Um, and obviously, but, but obviously, this kind of over elaboration on the ball, which he just gave a couple of hints that he he he, he, he might do it against Brighton. Um, he tried to do his Cruyff turn, didn't quite get it right, and got bundled over. I've seen a few people saying VAR would have disallowed that goal. And I think I, just, I saw quotes from Alison afterwards saying, 
part of me kind of thinks it was a foul. Yeah, but I think, I, think but I'm also aware yeah, you're not going to get that. Anyway, he right? said, didn't he? He said, I yeah. thought it was a foul, but let's be honest. Definitely a push in the back. Really? Do you think so? Yeah. He just seems, but he does that kind of thing where he stands completely straight. And then both upright, and then just falls over in one goes if, if, if to try and win the free that's kick. That's a set piece. He's blowing up. Yeah, on no, a defender. If that's a set piece. He's blowing up. I if it's another refs. part of the pitch. If, yeah, what happens? Oh, so if it was the other way round, and it was Allison challenging the play, and the player went down on the way that Allison did, he's saying it was a penalty. Yes, possibly. Yeah, he's yeah, put he's I put his two two hands on his back. Not that it, I mean, we're not trying to absolve Allison no, of criticism. And you kind of partly think he almost deserves it for being a yeah. Debbie. Do you know what I mean? Do you not slightly think with Allison though? We've brought him to play a bit of football with his feet. We knew exactly what we were getting when he was yeah, coming. Yeah. You look at Edison last season for Man City and his distribution and his ball play, it's fantastic. He got caught once as well, didn't he, last season? At Anfield. Well, it was at Anfield, yeah. then they lost Kicked because of that goal, yeah. yeah. Exactly, yeah, she's going to come on to it. But yeah, <laughs> just rule piping in. <laughs> but yeah, no, so, but you didn't really see him make that mistake again. So I'm hoping that's going to be the same with Allison, but I don't think it's a massive issue because... I think he's going to get caught from time to time just because of the way he plays. And if that is the way he plays, so be it because we brought him to do that. It really does feel a little bit like cake and eating it here. You know, in terms of everybody was was on the feet against Brighton and Anfield mm. when he absolutely did yeah. knock our soul ends up. Now, if you've done that and then you're moaning him doing a cruise turn, then, you know... You can't have it both ways, can you? You can't. Yeah. At the same time, you know, let's play devil's advocate here. I think I'm playing devil's advocate on that side more so, but... You know, ultimately, he's Cruyff's turning onto his poor foot yeah. in a position where he really shouldn't be. And so there's no room to do it. There's no room. He needs to be speaking to Adam Lallana about how to do these things properly. <laughs> exactly, because Klopp, Klopp stamped that out with Lallana. It just it was an, it was unnecessary at that time. But isn't it strange how things can? Because if he somehow manages to pull that off, everybody once again goes, "Oh my goodness!" He's better than Pele. What him. what an amazing what an amazing. I mean, not that people aren't saying that he's an amazing goalkeeper, but you know, he's 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 so good with his feet, and we'll have all these little screenshots of his passing accuracy and all that again. Instead, you know, the back of the newspapers have Alison Blunderland. So, you know, it's it's such fine margins. But some people were very pleased with that headline earlier, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, just, I, just, I just thought it was the obvious one. Anyway, yeah. anyway. And also they won. Yeah. They won. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, it's, there is a time and a place, but at the, at the same time, and yes, his decision-making does need to, to improve in, in both there and when he nearly got done by Murray uh, and Field last week. But it's, it's an occupational hazard of, of having a goalkeeper like this. So, it's 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 all well and good after the game, you know, Redknapp and, and, and Emil Heskey, Jamie Redknapp and Emil Heskey were talking and the general vibe was he's just got a lump it, he's just gotta get rid. And it's like, okay, well if he does get rid, and he did as well for the next three or four times, did he see possession and that is not why he was bought. Was it was it one of them or was it Paul Robinson who said there's a reason he's in goal? It was Paul it's because Paul Robinson there's reasons in goal, it's because he can't reason. play out. It's like, well, hang on, no. So what you're saying, all goalkeepers are just people who can't play football. Exactly. Says yeah. the fellow who scored about five goals as a goalkeeper, <laughs> by the way. But yeah, it's 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 how you're sort of programmed, I suppose. I mean, I, I think if you're sort of of a more, this will sound like a negative way, and I'll say it anyway, if you're more archaic in the way you follow football, I think you do feel like your goalkeepers should be there to A, save shots, and B, boost it as high up the pitch. Now, there we'll, is a... We'll there come is, to Andy Gray in a bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. check yesterday. Yeah, well, there is a happy medium here. There is, there is obviously a happy medium, but I think 85, 90% of the time, you want Alisson doing that. And it's not a case of, he's just got to get rid, he's just got to lump it, he's just got to get it. There will be times, and that was one time where, I don't even think, it wasn't like the, the it wasn't like 
the angle had been narrowed, there was a potential of just playing the ball, you know, sort of down the line, far down the line um, for, for Salah or somebody. But, you know, if he, if he lumps it every time he gets it, then one of the main reasons he was brought in, you know, reason number one he was brought in is because he stops the ball going in the goal. And that's an important aspect for a goalkeeper. But number two is because he's a playmaker with his feet and he can start attacks and he allows Liverpool to defend much a much higher line and he can initiate attacks himself. If you take that away from him, then he's not a £65 million goalkeeper. So why buy him? His number three, he's a nice big full beard. Very full beard. Now I'm, glad, now, I'm glad you mentioned Cake then, because just a little bit of an aside, a bit of insight into uh, the life and times of a travelling football journalist. Uh, how we rate away grounds is basically, number one, what the food's like, and number two, what the Wi-Fi's like. I mean, the, the actual view of the pitch, that can be like much further down the line. Palace. But, but, yeah. yeah, that's not... <laughs> yeah, did, did, didn't say half the pitch at Palace. But um, at Leicester, the Wi-Fi is very good, but more importantly, the... Food in the press box is incredible. And at full time, they came out with a, a selection of five different cakes, like full cakes. And I know that James Pierce, he managed to find the, the chocolate orange one, which I was looking for. I couldn't find it anywhere. I think he had the last piece. Yeah, typical the James. Typ- typical James. And you typical boys James. argue that you don't live the dream. Well, you know, we, we pay for it afterwards, to be fair. The 3-2 game last season, I, I covered that one, and that was stressful. I, I comfort it after that. <laughs> Because <laughs> it was a five thirty game, so it was close to deadline. Again, little little peer into the the, the the print deadline on a Saturday is is very early because the, the the Sunday Echo has to go out early. Mm. So the five thirty games are an absolute nightmare. Three two missed penalties, late drama. I must have had about seven slices of that cake. You know, <laughs> went straight to my hips. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> moving away from Allison and cake, uh, one player who. Dan, who did play very well for Liverpool, arguably his best game for the club, and that was Joe Gomez. I mean, I personally thought that Virgil van Dijk was one of his worst games for the club, not just because of that back pass. For I'd say about 75 minutes, he was a little bit all over the shop, a little bit, a little bit slack in the way that he played. I mean, looking back at the uh, usual looking, imperious, yeah, self, look, yeah, looking back at the replay, if you look at the last 15 minutes when Leicester started to pump the ball along into the area and got a few free kicks, put crosses into the box, it was inevitably, invariably, Van Dijk who mm. was the, the person headed it away. And I think when I did the ratings, that's what moved him from a from a five to a six, the way that he finished the game. But Joe Gomez was a was a solid nine throughout. He's somebody. It's incredible to think it's only been fourth. That was only his fourth game playing centre back. Alongside, in fact, is it, is it, about, it can only be his fourth game playing centre back for Liverpool in the Premier League. In the Premier League, the Premier League. I think he did a couple of FA Cup games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was terrific, wasn't he? I mean, I've, I've, I've seen this one. I think it was Tony Cascarino in the Times saying that um, basically he should be Gareth Southgate's first pick at centre half, and it's basically who plays with him. I mean, I, I'm not really bothered about England either way, as so long as he does, does his stuff for Liverpool. But it's really encouraging to see a, a young player that when he came, first came into the sides was. Three seasons ago, at the start of yeah, Rodgers' three years now, yeah. Last season had a couple of really, really good games at left back, um, which is bearing in mind his right footed was was a, a bit of a surprise. Gave, gave a penalty away at Old Trafford, I remember. But generally, it was a really in the, quite a bleak time for Liverpool. <clears throat> Very encouraging to see a young lad coming through. And there was always this feeling that ultimately he'll he'll end up at centre back. <clears throat> Do you want a bit of water there? Do you want a bit of water? I'm all right, thanks. <laughs> Just clearing my throat. Um, he just seems to have got better and better as every game's got on this season. I mean, I think a lot of people will point to uh, the challenge. I think was it was at nil two when um, yes, it was it was it grey. 
Was it Gray? Or was no, it I think Ma- uh, Madison, I think. Madison who, shot, who, yeah. Who, who oh, it was Madison shot, that's right. Yeah, a yeah. useful player yeah. you know, th- throughout the game. He was it was, I was surprised that he got subbed, actually, towards the end. That, that, didn't, that helped yeah. Liverpool towards the last, the last 10 yeah, minutes. Because he, he, well, he, was, he, he was putting the, the cross into the box, the he deliveries. Scored a, he's already scored a couple of goals. He just looks to have a little bit of craft around mm. the edge of the penalty area, doesn't he? And, and that's really how he made his goal. Uh, so, sorry, how, how he made that chance. And Gomez just seemed to appear from nowhere with a full-length sliding last-ditch tackle. Um but it was just his compo- you know, his pace, his composure, um, his, 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 his short passing into midfield as well. I thought I thought was really good. And um, you know, I think Dejan Lovren, who has obviously hasn't played for Liverpool yet this season after his heroics at the World Cup, might well be starting to feel a little bit anxious about am I going to get my place back here? Because um, him and him and Van Dijk seem to have developed a really good understanding there. But ultimately, Lovren and Gomez and Van Dijk will all play plenty against Liverpool, I'm sure, this season because there's a lot of matches and they're going to have plenty of work to do. But yeah, man of the match by a standout mile and more of that, please, Joe. Connor, if you were Dejan Lovren, you would be the self-proclaimed best, one of the best defenders in the world. Would you be worried? Um, I think you'd have to be. Um, you've obviously... Watched Liverpool keep three clean sheets in a row, pretty much defend superbly through the beginning of this season. It's been up the other end where maybe the clinical finishing hasn't quite been as sharp as it was last year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, how you cannot be worried about breaking up what is essentially an excellent centre-back partnership is, yeah, you've got to be, haven't you? The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I mean, this is the Van Dyke thing, isn't it, Christian? He, he seems to have this way of just getting more out of the players that he plays alongside. He did it with, with Lovren uh, last season, very briefly with Matip before Matip got injured. And he's certainly doing it with Gomez now. I think more so as well, though, because I, I do feel like those two complement each other. I think it, it's funny because Gomez has, has always had this reputation of being a ball-playing centre-back. And I feel like when he was... I mean, he has, we haven't really had a chance to see him properly because... Of, Remember that when he first came back as centre back, it was against Wolves in the cup, and he was clearly not fit. That and was you know, terrible that day. Yeah, he, he pretty much was was back down with the under twenty three for the rest of the season because I think Klopp realised he'd rushed them back too soon. But in general, with Gomez, he's got this reputation as a ball playing centre back, and I feel like when you're a young player, that can maybe play on your mind a little bit. But because he's next to Van Dijk, who is also very much a ball player, he can ping that ball sixty yards diagonal. Gomez can keep it quite simple and what he can do is focus on defending so what you've got next when you're next to Van Dijk so let's say if he was next to Clavan or Lovren for example I feel like Gomez would have the burden of A, being a defender first but also B, initiating some attacks with Van Dijk next to him he can focus solely on holding his line um, you know, defending, being strong and then when he gets the ball it's you sort it right back a little bit last season he can be a little bit hesitant with the ball he can be not sure where he's going with it I think is that not just in comparison to Trent though? Because obviously he was competing with Trent, and obviously it's a different skill set in terms of distribution when you're playing right back and, and centre back. But I could just, I just think it's very hard for the 21 year old to, to have that responsibility of being the one to, to play out from the back. Whereas when you got Van Dijk next year and and he also does everything, it just takes that burden away from Gomez and it allows him to hone his craft without. The, the, the fear of something going wrong next to him and uh, that you know that's invaluable for Gomez and and you know I, I honestly believe I was a big proponent of, of Lovren when he really started to step up in the second half of last season but ultimately this back five for Liverpool could be Liverpool's back five for the next five years I don't see why you break it up yeah, there was, we, sorry, sorry we've discussed in this 
podcast before how we pretty much hoped it would be Joe Gomez's year, haven't we? You know, he's been around the team for a little while and he's always looked like he could break in. Obviously, he was brought back a little bit too early, as we've just discussed, but he's been given an opportunity and he's really taken it on, hasn't he? It would be typical love from, by the way, to you know, the moment that he becomes a World Cup finalist and a Champions League finalist has a very good game in keeping Ronaldo quiet. It's the one moment that he actually ends up losing his place yeah. in the Liverpool team. It's as if it feels... Like peak Lovren. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, just, it's just almost like a fitting end to a, a very strange Liverpool career. An interesting thing, Dan, I'm not sure whether you saw it, were quotes that came from Jason, I think it was Jason Yule. From, from, was Jason now, Yule, formerly yes, of Wimbledon. And of Charlton, which is wow. where... And Jamaica. Which is where he is now. It was Jason Yule, wasn't it? I don't know. Was it? Well, yeah, I, don't, I can't remember. I, I think it. Years. I think it's him that's at Charlton, and he's the. He's now like the assistant manager, but he was the under twenty one manager there, there yeah. when 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 Joe Gomez uh, was was there. Course, yeah. And what he was saying is that the. Uh, I think it was. I'm just getting all these names wrong now. I think it was Paul Hurst, the academy uh, director at the time at Charlton, said that to Joe Gomez, basically saying, "You're a very good ball player." As Kristen said, defender likes it. This, that, and the other. But at academy level under 23s, you don't come up against the kind of strikers, the season strikers, your Glenn Murrays, those kind of people. Mm. And what they asked him to do was, if ever there's a chance you can head the ball, just head it. Even if you think you can control it, if heading the ball is an option, head it just to practice your heading. And that's something that when he played right back last season, I'm thinking there was a couple of games... Arsenal and uh, West Ham were ones where the ball went. He let the ball go over his head and City at home they, and yeah, Sunday scored yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah, them kind of them kind of goals. It's the heading that's the thing that people have been wondering mm. about, but he doesn't seem to have a problem with it. No, I suppose you know, playing centre back as opposed to right back, you're going to have more. If it, it, it's a different kettle of fish, isn't it, when it comes to heading the ball? Yeah, and more direct, of, isn't it? Yeah, well, also just maybe just purely down to the fact that you know that you're in the you're more in the yeah. middle of the goal yeah, rather than out on the I mean. wing. Yeah. So you can't, you know, if the ball goes over your head in the wing, it's not necessarily as damaging as if you're in the middle of the goal. I just think he's just, it's just the general maturity that really seems to be shining through in his play now. And particularly when, like everybody said, you know, it, I don't think Van Dyke was terrible, but it certainly was, he certainly wasn't at his, his normal imperious self. And Gomez just seemed to really kind of thrive almost on that extra responsibility, maybe sensing that the, the lad alongside him wasn't absolutely firing on all cylinders. And he seemed to kind of really in, appreciate stepping up and almost becoming the leader of the back line. You know, I, that being said, I still think Van, like, like you, know, you said, it, it bumped him up a couple of points in your ratings. Those, you know, they had a free kick in the corner in the last couple of minutes, and that's I think when you really see the benefit of Virgil Van Dyke, the fact that he will identify right. I'm getting the first head on this. I'm getting away, and I think it's not doesn't just give us as a team and you know the supporters in the stands a huge lift to see this huge colossus heading the ball away. <clears throat> it's the you know on the flip side of it, it's what that does to the opposition when they're desperately trying to build a head of steam up. And they've got this big Bruce heading the ball away yet again. So I, I, I think the two will learn off each other. I mean, you mentioned just before, Christian did, it would be an irony if this was, this ended up being, if the way this played out ended up being the end of Lovren. I, I, I don't, I hope that's not the case because I do like it, but I don't think that'll be the case as well because we've, you know, once this international break is over, look at the wadge of games Liverpool have got between I think people, a lot of September forget, 15th a lot of people are forgetting that, aren't they? Yeah. October the 7th. Such a serious there's not, there's not a chance that Gomez and Van Dijk are playing every game and Lovren's not getting a look in there. That's true. It it was, was, by the way, it was, just to, just to clarify, it was Jason Yule, but it was Paul Hart. Was the, was Paul Hurst is now manager of Ipswich. Who... Who have they got there now? Matty Bennington. That's Matthew right, Matty Bennington. Yeah. Friend of Sam Carroll. Indeed. Anyway, Christian, you I was going to say, well, t- two things. I was just checking. It was Jason Ewell. He's also deaf in his right ear. 
you believe? Yeah. Go to Wikipedia anyway. And the internet's <laughs> never wrong. Yeah, thank you. Back on Gomez as well. <laughs> the Can you talk about his throw? Come on, let's talk <laughs> well, about his throw. Well, can I just can talk... we just get to the throw? Okay, we'll talk we'll talk A we'll talk about the throw. Can I just make the points as well that I think if Gomez started at home to PSG in the Champions League, no one would bat an eyelid now. No. Whereas if he was starting at home against, let's say, Roma in the Champions League, albeit a semi-final versus a group game, but you know, a, a decent team at home in the Champions League, I think people would have been worried last season. That just is that, shows is that, you that just because of four games then? I think so, but, but because he was an unknown entity then, because he had never been, the, mm. he'd never been thrown in at, at the deep end. He's, he's been thrown in at the deep end. He's played against Aunausovic. He's played against Zahar. Against Murray and uh, he played against Gray. It would have been interesting to see him to be fair up against Vardy. I mean, yeah. that would have really, mm. you know, the sh- you know the shiny sticker there. Isn't I'd obviously it? potential see him against Kane in a fortnight. Exactly. That that yeah. that will be the big that will be the, the the big test for him. Um, the, yeah, the throw ins absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? Well, I asked I asked Dan. You were in as we mentioned. You were in the away end. Ninety one minutes, I think it was. Joe Gomez. He, he'd moved over to right back then because Matip had, had, had come, on come on for on, yeah. for, for Trent. Um, obviously, we've, we know all the stories of the past week of Liverpool getting a specialist throwing coach. Which Thomas, to Andy Gray's amusement. Yes, Thomas Gronemark, uh, who Yeah, Andy Gray, he was very unhappy with it, wasn't he? Mm, well, it's jealousy. Well, it's kind of <laughs> did coach, you did he? you see the video of him actually doing a throwing in which it, it looked a little. Yeah, it wasn't the most dignified of poses. Is that it Andy was, Gray or Joe Gomez? This was Andy Gray. Oh, right. It no, wasn't the, it, have you not seen it? Worth checking that out, anybody who hasn't seen it. You, you'll enjoy it, trust me. But going back to Joe Gomez, 91 minutes, he gets the ball on the, the right-hand touchline and he just launches this throw into the box, which gets to about the centre of the goal. And then a couple of minutes later, he does exactly the same thing. And uh, and Kasper Schmeichel catches mm. it. Well, if... I mean, I'm old enough to remember when Tram had a player called Dave Challoner who had these. I've seen him many a time. Yes. Nuclear length throws, and and there was a big hoo ha with Sam Allardyce, wasn't there, when he started kicking off in his usual classy manner about that was the that was the league Cup semi final, wasn't it? Yes, yes. Get on for twenty years ago. Set pieces. We all like pretty wonderful attacking verve laden football, but the the cold hard facts of our set pieces play an enormous role in top flight football. They always have done, and they always will be. And people tend to see that as being all corners, free kicks, whatever. But throw-ins are just as important components of it. So if Liverpool are able to kind of make you know add an extra threat to themselves from, on those kind of restarts, then the more the merrier. And if it, if it gives some cheap thrills to the likes of Andy Gray and his fellow <laughs> cynics, then um, then good luck to them. But uh, yeah, it, it was a bit of an eye opener though because it, because it was literally right where the away end. It's kind of like an away corner at um, mm. Leicester's ground, and he was literally right in front of. And obviously, being aware that we'd, we'd done a piece last week about the new throw-in, it was only literally right then. I kind of thought, oh yeah, let's see how, well, what, the, what the, are we doing with these. Well, there was no, there was, shouldn't have been doing it three yeah, minutes from yeah. time. Well, there was, there's an argument that kind of like from there, but you, if, at that stage, you should be taking short throws and keeping the ball in the corner, and you know. Jordan Sakiri earned his match fee by just the, getting the ball throw in. Yeah, yeah. Just the general kind of trouble that he caused them, just by helping wind the clock down and just take the sting out of the momentum that they were trying and not really succeeding in building up. But um, it'll be you know it'd be nice to think that you know out of all the wonderful goals Liverpool scored and the Jurgen Klopp with all these fantastic ball players that we've got, if uh, if a long throw from Gomez ends up getting flicked into his own net or ends up by hook up by crook in a scruffy goal that gets us a big win we'll all be delighted and saying these are all parts of the pie that ultimately make up successful teams well Connor Liverpool have conceded plenty of goals in the past in the recent past to such, such types of goals from long throws Sevilla, Burnley yeah exactly there's not there's nothing that says you can't score this kind of way I mean 
what did you think when you saw that Liverpool had got a specialist throwing coach? Okay, he's only part time and he's going to be working. Maybe he's, he's spoken today and he says sometimes it'll be three times a week, sometimes it won't be at all. If you want to win the league, every single margin counts. Correct. Um, you know, if there is any extra gain that you can get simply by employing a throwing coach for no times a week or three times a week or whatever it might be, then take the advantage because you'd be silly not to. If you've got the, you know, the money and the want to do that and obviously Liverpool have, you know, identified somewhere that they can improve on, then why not improve on it? You know, as you've just explained, Liverpool have conceded goals like that, so why not score goals like that too? We'll all be, as Dan said, happy as Larry when they go in. I mean, a lot of people seem to forget. I mean, as Dan pointed out, throwing is, is basically it's a restart, isn't it? It's like yeah. it is a set piece because you have your corners and your free kicks and your kickoffs. And the kickoffs another thing that I'm, I think people will start looking into and seeing how they can get an advantage on that. I think this 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 Gronemark did an interview as mentioned today, and he said that something like the reason people don't talk about throwings is because so often the ball is lost for the throwing. So yeah, fifty percent. I mean, I it's always going, going back. Going, sorry, going back a, way back. The best person I ever saw for making space at throw-ins was Eric Cantona. Whenever United had a throw-in, the ball would go to him and there'd literally be nobody near him. And that's the sound of a good player. It's like the good player in midfield who finds the space. They're the people that they should be looking at. There's so many times where a ball is sort of in the defending third for the... So let's say Liverpool, Gomez is sort of in his own half and it's seen as as a detriment because ultimately it'll get thrown down the line. The opposition team will win the header and they've got the ball in Liverpool's territory. So, it, 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 you know, these little ideas, these match scenarios, if he can just sort of improve that to make sure that they don't see possession, for example, it's, it's, it's a huge... What, what what also I'm interested in with, with, with Gronemark is if he'll help with defending them as well. Mm. Because if you can get... Well, I would imagine that would be the case, exactly. wouldn't it? Because so if, if you get into the mind of how to, how to utilise them from an attacking perspective, surely he knows how to defend them as well. This whole Andy Gray idea of, you know... Uh, you know, it, it it's, might just, it's all about putting his feet on the floor. That, you know, anyone can keep it. It just shows you he's a dinosaur now. It's in, just in Andy Gray being Andy Gray, it, isn't it? He's yeah. just, he's yeah, just he's a shock jock, shock jock. You know, Howard Stern style. You know, let let me get some Robert, Roberto Martinez to replace Jose Mourinho. I think to yeah. get attention now, they have to come out with the outlandish exactly. shouts because they're not relevant anymore. And you've got someone like Paul Robinson, who, who obviously is is what he is as a pundit, and he's got he's got work over there. He's trying to make a name for himself, but you'd never catch us doing outlandish shouts such as Liverpool eight. Sunderland nil. No, never. <laughs> Absolutely never. Or uh, Sadio Mane to finish Premier League top scorer. Or, 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 or to move to Real Madrid. Madrid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, 80 to 1 back to math. Um, Good. So well, there we go. Yeah. Top of the Way score. Charts, wins. Cash out. Uh, but, but yeah, ultimately, going back to the, the throw in with 91 uh, minutes on the clock, I wonder if that was. I know at the time it was it was infuriating and, and, and Paul Gorse wrote a piece today saying how it sort of shows that Liverpool are still lacking a little bit of smarts in that department but he didn't I, like it did he? He really didn't but <laughs> he was being very Yadar wasn't he Gorsley <laughs> if, he, if he's listening if Paul Paul was being very Yadar over that but ultimately I, I wonder if because the first throw nearly nearly caused a bit of problem I wonder if it was a, almost like a quick long throw if that makes sense because Leicester weren't really prepared for it or expecting it or expecting mm. it so if, if Liverpool were a little bit more uh, alive on the on the toes in the second sense it, it might have made it 3-1 as Connor said you know you talk about Dave Brailsford for example uh, you know obviously Team Sky cycling coach I know obviously his name's been a little bit mm. muddied a little bit recently with, with situations at Team Sky but in general, he was seen as the he was the, seen as the master of, of the marginal gains, and Jurgen Klopp's made a lot of those sorts of calls since he's come to Liverpool. He's he's brought in Mona. Uh, how do you say his name? 
the German, the German <laughs> Mona, um, the one who looks like the mini me of him. No, 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 no that's, that's, that's 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 Cronenmeyer. Cronenmeyer. Yeah. Um, I can't, I can't pronounce his surname, but the dietitian. Right. Nutritionist, um, the nutritionist, dietitian, mm. and you look at you know how much the, the, they've improved in in terms of the the, the physiques and and their, um, you know the. I'm glad you've been paying attention to this <laughs> lovely physique, yeah, yeah. <laughs> general fitness. Yeah. A lot, a lot, yeah, a lot, a lot of topless shots. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've seen those abs on Ragnar Klaver. <laughs> wow. what, what a miss they are. Uh, but you know he's 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 appointed these type of characters before these these employees and and, and they work so. You know, more power to him. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me in four or five years' time if, if everybody's got a freelance throwing expert on the books. Are we a little bit concerned by the midfield, Dan, after Saturday? If there was one area, I know the defensively they played fairly well. Attacking-wise, they're not clicking properly, but still Mane and Firmino mm. scored, so you can't really argue too much there. Midfield, Henderson came in for his first start. I know he came in for a, a lot of sticks, certainly from people on my Twitter timeline, although I suspect most of them were just having a go at me anyway. Um, but Wijnaldum having been brilliant for three games mm. and brilliant against Torino in the final friendly. He was he had one of his, I think one of my colleagues called it his ghost. He had ghost mode on yeah. where he just didn't seem to, just didn't seem to to go for him in that further foot. Milner did okay. Milner did okay. Milner, I thought I thought thought Milner was another very very solid seven mm. seven and a half eight out of ten performance. I mean, this was the midfield that we were concerned about last season, wasn't it? I mean, you could say it was the midfield that got us to the European Cup final, but also it was the midfield that wasn't quite good enough to kind of really be the strong enough presence that we need in the European Cup mm. final. I think as they as they get older, I think, and we, uh, we talked about this with a couple of pals in the away end on, on Saturday, I think you're going to see, or I hope we're going to see fewer and fre- fewer and fewer occasions where you see Henderson and Milner in the same yeah, midfield yeah. three. I think it was to a certain degree a kind of a certain de- element of kind of like picking a certain team for a certain fixture needs must. He obviously maybe just felt that he wanted to kind of I don't necessarily prove a point to Naby Keita or just kind of give him a little bit of a rest to say you've had your little bit of a start, you've done okay, not bad, not great. We want a little bit more from you and obviously he did bring him on as the game went on. Um, I mean, obviously, yeah, Jordan Henderson hasn't played, has hardly played any football since the World Cup. So I think he got subbed around about 70 minutes, and I think that was yeah. probably always likely to be the intention. He was never I mean, we, really we must, going to play the full We must 90. point out that in the last game, the last two times he's come on a sub, he's made a positive change for Liverpool. Oh, against Palace. Henderson. against Palace. Yeah, yeah. Against, you can't say that, Doyle. Uh, I have done anyway. Um, oh, dear. He, he, uh, against, against Palace, he looked like a, a player who was desperate to get into the starting lineup, and when he came on against Brighton, he helped control the game a bit more when it was kind of Liverpool losing the way a little bit. I think Juan Alden would be the one that I would be most disappointed about in the context of Saturday primarily because he was so good against Brighton I mean there was that stat doing the rounds wasn't it that kind of like he literally misplaced mm. one, one pass, pass yeah, out of 82 yeah. 82 passes in the whole game it wasn't just about you know some people say well yeah but you can prove anything with stats if he's just playing easy sideways and backwards passes that no one can cut out then you, you, that could give a false impression I don't think anyone that saw that Brighton game would, would say that you know what I mean he was a real struck I'd say one of his best games he's had for the club and it's just that he, he, if he's going to become a top player, a top Liverpool midfielder, he's just got to find that consistency more often. And particularly away from home, because, you know, as we're all aware, that goal, crucial goal he scored in the Champions League semi mm. in the Stadio Olimpico, which is only goal away from home in a Liverpool shirt, and this is his third season. So, I've, you know, I, I like Wijnaldum. I think he's got a big future with us, but he's come into his third season now. And if he really wants to kind of fulfil that undoubted promise that he has he just needs to find that consistency particularly away from Connor, Connor there was there was a certain player who, again certain player who wasn't there once again Fabinho 
Jurgen Klopp spoke. Jurgen Klopp, stop it, Christian. Jurgen Klopp spoke afterwards and basically said he's now ready to come back into the into the team. Uh, he's going away with Brazil, though rather strangely, he's going there as a right back. So he's he's not going to. In some ways, that's good, isn't it? When you think about it, because he's not going to get muddled by playing in midfield with Brazil when he's trying to get his head around playing in midfield for Liverpool. Are you worried, or or as we've mentioned several times already, just today that. Because there's so many games coming up after the international break, he's going to get his chance, isn't he? Yeah, he absolutely undoubtedly is. Because obviously the midfield, you know, a little bit of a concern. It wasn't firing in all cylinders and we've got options to bring in. Um, there's a lot of games to play and there's no way you're going to be able to keep the same starting eleven throughout that time. As as you said, we've mentioned loads of times. Specifically Fabinho, um, I think he's probably just another case like Robertson. And Klopp said this and he doesn't want to rush him in, when, especially when there's no need to have rushed him in. You know, when you can give a player a chance to bed in and chance to settle down and that will bring the best out for him, then why not do that? And Klopp's been very open with how he's what he's doing with Fabinho. He's never said, oh, he's injured or anything else. He just said he simply isn't ready. And now you've got to take his word that he's ready and going to be playing after the international break. I do massively agree that him playing at right back is a little bit odd. Well, that's where he started his he started his career there, didn't he? And I know there was some suggestion in Brazil he that he should did. have been called up to the to the World Cup squad because they lost Danny Alves and then he did play right back for them. Fagner. That's it. He wasn't particularly great and Fabinho could have done a job. Fagner's the only one that's gone over with Fabinho for that position as well, hasn't he? I think so, yeah. But I think, you know, the position that he's developed himself in at Monaco and the position he bought him we we bought him in for at Liverpool, I don't want him to get mixed up with those positions. I know you're saying it's like he's trying to develop in the midfield in Liverpool and then doesn't have to develop in the midfield in Brazil, but surely playing in the same position all the time would be more beneficial rather than chopping and changing to different parts of the pitch and therefore having a different role on the pitch, especially if he hasn't bedded in properly already. Well, you mentioned then Andy Robertson, Christian. It's uh, emerged today that he has been named Scotland's national team manager. Uh, manager? <laughs> um, captain. Who is the Scotland manager? Um, is it wasn't Strachan? Isn't McLeish again? Is McLeish gone McLe- back there? I think so. Any answers from the back? Alex McNeil. Who, sorry? McNeil. McNeil? Billy McNeil. Billy no. McNeil. <laughs> <laughs> you just made up a name there. Jock McSporran. Jock McTaggart. It is Alex McLeish. Yeah. Yeah. McLeish. Anyway. Cheers, Google. Go, go. Second spell. Go, going back to the Red podcast and put all your football knowledge and insights. Going back to the point I was trying to make earlier <laughs> is that uh, Andy Robertson has been announced today as Scotland's new national team captain. Um, it's just reward for him in terms of the way that he's he's come on leaps and bounds over the past 12 months at Liverpool. But it's also a sign, I think, of the fact that Liverpool's team now is developing certain, you know, a certain amount of leaders. You look, Jordan Henderson was is Liverpool's captain, could have been England's captain for the World Cup. James Milner has been captain several places. Virgil Van Dijk is another one, and I'm sure there's a few more. If you went through, Dejan Lovren surely would have been captain somewhere. You know, there's quite a few of them. Sounds like a blood red column on Friday. That's oily. Sounds like a one AM for tonight. But anyway, <laughs> the uh, yeah, it's it, it is a sign. It's a sign twofold as well. I think it's a sign that you know that he is he is capable of doing that. That he is capable of captaining his country, and also a sign that Jurgen Klopp has has built him into this this player who is capable of of captaining his country. It, he hasn't done it on his own, but you know Jurgen Klopp had, had to have something to work with in the first place, and it's a it, it's just reward. I think. I mean, when you think about this time last year, he wasn't getting in the team. I think he's done a, an interview with 442 uh, in this month's um, magazine and said that his girlfriend hated him because he was in such a... Join the club. <laughs> <laughs> he was such a mardy bum because um, he wasn't 
getting a game at Liverpool. It wasn't until, I think it was the Brighton game, was it, in December? And, um, it was after thinking he got injured, wasn't it? Against yeah, Sevilla, yeah. yeah. Spartak. Um, it was Spartak, yeah, Spartak, sorry, because yeah. he played in the, the yeah. derby, didn't he? Um, so, yeah, it's it's a it's a real testament of what hard work and, and talent as well, because I think there's a... I think that you can sometimes, it happens a little bit with players like Dirk Kite as well, in terms of, you know, oh, he works so hard and he's such a grafter that you can lose sight of the fact that he's actually a really good footballer as well. He's, he's, he's putting assists on a play for Liverpool at the moment. He obviously made one for Mane again mm. on Saturday. Yeah, he works hard and he's, he's you know, he, he, he's he's diligent and he's he's tough in the tackle, but he's also a, a good footballer who, who can create. So he's Scotland's best player, surely. I mean, I watched, I watched the old firm on... On uh, on Sunday and and there was no Scottish player there that I thought was better than Andy Robertson. He, he must be Scotland's best player. To be fair, Alex McLeish is the second best player. <laughs> Still, and he's about fifty odd big, now. Big Eck. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a good sign for Liverpool because not only are they signing leaders and captains, they're developing them as well. You look at the way Trent's come along. I mean, you'd, you'd have absolutely no problem if, if Trent took an armband at some point, and you wouldn't be surprised if he did at some point for Liverpool. You've got Allison, who isn't necessarily a captain, but he's obviously somebody who, who commands his box. You've got Van Dijk, who's a, who is a captain at Southampton, and also is he captain? Yeah, yeah. Is he Holland's yeah. captain? Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you've got Mane, who's who's despite from, from his Senegal yeah. peripheral his peripherals um, plays on the pitch, if you will. You'd very rarely have wingers who are who are leaders. He's somebody who can certainly galvanise a team. Uh, so you know, Liverpool are very much in a good place when it comes to leaders and it comes after years and years and years of, of that being a big criticism level of the club and I'll just final thing now before we go uh, I'll just read a tweet out this is from me on Friday which said can only assume Lazar Markovic has expensive tastes oh, to which the reply from James was the year is 2048 and LFC boss Trent Alexander-Arnold is looking to offload Lazar Markovic on a season long loan now this Dan is obviously in reference to Lazar Markovic who did not go to Anderlecht mm. despite the fact we'd waved him off uh, on the podcast last week is he ever going to leave <laughs> Liverpool ever and what does the fact that he's turned down Anderlecht over personal terms tell you A about his ambition and B about uh, how much money he's getting paid and how he has been paid over the well, four and a bit years now he's got very little ambition to try and re- re- get his rekindle his football career does this, does this make you lose any sympathy you may have had for him this is assuming yeah, that that's, I, this is assuming that that's the case. That's assuming it's not one hundred percent the case. But we have to assume that's the case. No, I, I think that that's that's what most people are assuming. And you know, reading around the lines, I think it's hard to come up with any alternative theory. I mean, I, I did, to be honest, have a certain a little bit of sympathy for for Marker that she came into the club during that summer of two thousand fourteen, where I always say it must have been very hard for anyone to come into the club at that time with the you know the the kind of psychological hangover of not winning the league that we all felt that we should have done. He had a you know, very difficult start to his Liverpool career, and then every time it seemed like things were about to get started for him, something went wrong. There was that really, really harsh sending off in the Champions League group games to Basel when we went out, when he, you know, when he was just starting to kind of show the odd little hint of what he might have. He had, he had come on at half-time in that game, and he was brilliant for 20 minutes, was, wasn't he? Yeah. He was, exactly. And then, you know, so we served January and February that year, I think he scored a winner at Sunderland. I remember the you know, the one good game of that season when we beat Spurs 3-2, Balotelli got the late winner. Mm. He got the opener that night and played yeah. quite well. You were thinking, maybe this just started to become a player coming through there. But obviously, the Rodgers era ended, Klopp came in and obviously didn't fancy him. And, and I'll I, I go back, you know, well, to Doyley's era, really. Not the, the, maybe not quite as far as Doyley's era, which is more like Elijah. Remind me of your age, Daniel. Elisha Scott. And Remind that. me of your but, age, uh, Daniel. <laughs> a couple of years younger than you, my friend. Alex Rajbrook. <laughs> um, 
Phil, Phil Bob, who wasn't the worst player Liverpool have ever had, but his, you know, similarly his his kind of time ended, his, his era really, and the team ended. And his testicles ended as well. Yeah. Well, when he crashed his yeah. that testicles on womb. <laughs> wow. All the fun of the fair on the part today, kids. Um, but there was always that supposedly, and again, we're only talking about what you know, what you hear in and around the game and stuff. There were offers that came in for him, and he could have gone to play football elsewhere, but he would rather sit on the bench and earn cash. And, you know, there isn't a football supporter or anybody that really cares about the game that's ever going to say that's a good thing, are they? Mm, that's true. So, one final thing. Yes or no, both Connor and Christian. Last Christian first. Are you asked about Lazar Markovic? Do you just swear? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, although I'm taking umbrage with, with Percy's Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, right, you don't think Trent will, be the, Trent will be the manager then? No, no he'll be like a cyborg still playing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes or no, Connor? One simple You've... answer. It's absolutely not. And on that bombshell, we shall finish. Join us later this week where we will look ahead to the international break because we love internationals, don't we, everybody? Yay. Bye. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield.